You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Congratulations to all the team that made uh, into the playoffs. But that's not where the interest is, the drama is. It's about the teams that did not. What was supposed to be an underwhelming week for the NFL turned out to be one of the more exciting weeks in recent memory. Final week of the regular season. You saw upsets, Jags knocking off the Colts, T.J. Watt tying Michael Strahan's single-season sack record, and one of the better Sunday night football games of the year, Raiders and Chargers both went into the game with the chance to make the playoffs. There was even that scenario that they could both make it if the game ended in a tie. But both teams were playing to win, at least we think so, and it made for some pretty exciting football thanks to a Daniel Carlson field goal late in overtime. The Raiders are now in the playoffs. But the conversation has to do with the Chargers and Brandon Staley, their head coach, calling a timeout and giving the Raiders an opportunity to run 10 more yards, getting in better field goal position. But it's been a crazy year for the Raiders. When you look at everything this organization has been through, interim head coach uh, Derek Carr with what he's done, everything that happened off the field, and I guess you could say this has still been a successful season for the Raiders. There was a moment last night, and I love when you get an honest moment from broadcasters because a lot of times you're trying to be fair, be down the middle, but when the timeout is called last night, the Chargers call the timeout. Here's Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth reacting in real time to that call. This will be a 30-second timeout. Mm. What? I think the Raiders me. were playing to get it down to either a field goal or just let the clock run out, and the Chargers took the timeout. I'm trying to process this myself. Wow. I know. That started social media. For Al to go, "Mm, mm, 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 mm." now Al was the (laughs) play-by-play guy. Your color analyst might go, hmm, not sure about that. And then Collinsworth jumps in as well. And then we have our controversy because Brandon Staley does bring out people who either love him or hate him with his philosophy and hates a strong word, but he was trying to get his defense set. Do I think the Raiders were playing for a tie? So both teams got in, thus knocking out the Steelers. Did Brandon Staley think the Raiders were playing for a tie? Rich Bisaccia, the Raiders head coach on that topic. At what point would you have decided to just play for the tie and not try a field goal? You know, we had conversations about it the whole, you know, towards that end there. But if you remember, we ran the ball early. They didn't call a timeout. So we thought probably they're doing the same thing. So we thought if we could have a run in there that probably possibly could get us in field goal position to win it, we were going to do that. And that's what we did. So would you have punted if if you hadn't got that big run? I don't know. Didn't happen. Here's Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, on calling that timeout. I understand the criticism. We felt like we could get the run. We felt like um, the personnel grouping that they had out there, they weren't in a goal line defense. We felt like we had a plenty good enough you know, play call for that, and um, they took away the, the advantage look, and um, it just didn't go down for us tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm watching in real time, I'm thinking, why would the Raiders gift something to the Chargers a team in your own division. Why would you help them make the playoffs? 
Also, if I'm the Raiders and I'm going into the playoffs, I don't want to play the Kansas City Chiefs who have blown us out two times earlier this year. I'd rather take my chances against the Cincinnati Bengals. And if I'm Brandon Staley, so why am I thinking that they're going to take a knee? Because if I, if I think that they're going to take a knee, then I'm not going to call a timeout and change my personnel. Now, I can probably nitpick on the personnel that he brought in or maybe the formation, the defensive formation, but the Raiders got the first down, Jacobs runs for 10 yards, and then everybody wants to second guess. I think people, the old school has a problem with Brandon Staley. The Chargers became the first team in the last 30 years to convert on fourth down six times in a game. They forced overtime. They scored 15 points in the final four and a half minutes of regulation. A game-tying touchdown and the uh, PAT with no time left on the clock. If you want to nitpick that, you know, he calls timeouts or he goes for it or what, I, I, I don't understand all the criticism. I would have had a problem if the Raiders were playing for a tie. Like, if the Raiders were taking a knee to help a divisional opponent, I'd have a real problem with that. And I don't know if anybody's talking about that. It, I guess because it didn't happen. But the fact that they were considering taking a knee to tie, and you're going to help the Chargers? Not the old Raiders. They wouldn't do it. But I guess the fact that it was on the table is really surprising there. But... I don't have any problem with Brandon Staley. Now, I don't like the analytics. I'm not a big analytics guy, but I understand you trust your team. You're going to go for it on fourth down. They were successful six times, but it feels like or felt like earlier this year, I think it was after the Kansas City game, it was basically that the old school doesn't understand what we're doing. And they turned on him. And I think that was, it, it's almost the uh, I'm smarter than you tone that maybe some of the uh, writers, reporters, analysts have taken away from him. I don't have any problem with that. I have a problem. I don't get to see Justin Herbert play in the <laughs> postseason. That's my biggest takeaway from that. Yeah. I want to see Justin Herbert play. But I, I, it feels like we're guilty of piling on Brandon Staley because he took a timeout. If I'm the coach... I'm not thinking you're going for – who goes for a tie? Like, like you want to win. If the Raiders were going to go for a tie, then why are you passing the ball? Paulie, do you have the play chart there for yeah, the, the Raiders? Yeah, four minutes left, the Raiders had the ball, and they you know got it downfield. But after the two-minute warning, after the two-minute warning, the Raiders ran for a minus one yard and then seven yards to set up the third down. Some people thought in that moment that the Raiders – not passing on second down to try to get in field goal territory meant that they're shutting it down. Yeah. That's what some people are saying is that that second down run, even though it's seven yards, oh, they're, they're not trying to get the to get in field goal territory. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Lewis Riddick from the Mothership will join us coming up a little bit. Also, uh, Carson Palmer will join us a little bit later on as well. Colts, Chargers, Browns, Ravens, Saints, all out. Raiders, Steelers, Eagles, Niners, in. Every year, it's normally four in and four out from the previous year. So if I said, hey, you know what? At the end of the year, these teams are going to have this in common. Colts, Chargers, Browns, Ravens, Saints, out. 
Ravens were one of the top five teams for the Super Bowl, odds-wise. Saints won 13 games last year. The Browns, Browns were favored to go to the AFC title game. Colts had seven Pro Bowl players. The problem is they have Carson Wentz. And that's a big issue. Because you gave up a lot. You took that contract off the hands of the Eagles. How do you have seven Pro Bowl players and you're not in the postseason? And then you have the Chargers. You know, the Chargers tease. They, they, I mean, for years, I always looked at the Chargers and go, man, that's a, that's a team that could win the Super Bowl. And every year they gave you that, man, they, they are good. They're dangerous. They're interesting. They're fun. And they're all of those things. But they're still the Chargers. And you saw that last night. They, they, they just tease you so much. And I love the quarterback. Uh, you know, the fourth quarter comeback is, I mean, that's, that's what you want. There's no quit. We're going to make the playoffs. You know, we, we're going to get into overtime. I, I, I don't have any problem with Brandon Staley. I don't. I would The fact that the Raiders were considering taking a tie, I have a problem with it. But I found that out after the game. But you can hear Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. I think they were under the impression the Raiders were playing for a tie. But I just wonder how the rest of the NFL would have reacted if the Raiders played for a tie last night. I would love to have seen a camera. You know when we have March Madness, when you have this smaller school and they're waiting to find out who they're going to play and we have the camera on them. If you had the Steelers in an auditorium and you had a camera on them as they're watching that game because they know that if there's a tie, they don't make the playoffs. And then Ben's career is over with. I would love to have had a camera there just watching them watch the game. And then you go to that fourth down call or you go that, you know, that all of a sudden they're going to run it after a timeout. Yeah, Paul. The whole Steelers team jumps out and starts screaming. And Ben goes, oh, yeah. Oh, let me get up here. Yeah. It's going to take me a little while to get Woo. up there with you guys. A little help, Pouncy. Yeah. So Colts, Chargers, Browns, Ravens, Saints out, Raiders, Steelers, Eagles, 49ers in. Oh, by the way, national title game coming up tonight, Georgia and Alabama. Here's, here's the analogy I'm going to use. Now, I'm going to watch it, okay? It's my job. But have you ever had this happen before? You have a huge lunch, and you get done... And then your wife goes, uh, what do you want to do for dinner? And you'll go, I, I just had lunch. Well, we just had lunch over the weekend, a big lunch. We had football on Saturday. We had football on Sunday, Sunday night, go back to work. And then it's, uh, oh, man, I'm still full. Hey, national title game coming up tonight. And this is going to go after midnight. I, I, I'm sure that there's analytics TV analytics that, hey, you got the standalone Monday night game. But this feels like this game should have already been played. Um, and, and by the way, it has already been played a, a month ago <laughs> with uh, Alabama roughing up Georgia. Nice. Uh, Fritzy is doing the honors of the poll question because nobody else wants to do it. We'll, uh, do, you, do you have uh, a couple of poll questions? We do have a couple of poll questions. Okay. All right. Uh, most disappointing NFL team this season, including the Browns, mm. Colts, Ravens, Saints, Seahawks, Vikings. That's one. Okay, hold on, hold on. 
now you have W H I S H. Do you see that on your poll question? Wish road team has the best chance to win their first round game. It does say wish. Oh, okay, that should say W H I C H. Okay, I just if we get to that one, you know, I got it. We would have to correct the spelling. <laughs> yes. and I did win a spelling bee in third grade. I should have caught that. Yes, but you cheated, didn't you? Well, I said capital S for Saturday when my friend just said S A T U R G A Y. So that was kind of a weak way okay, to win that. Okay, okay. So um, I like that poll question. The the most disappointing team is that what we're going yes. with? Okay. Run it. Run down the uh, options again. Browns, Colts, Ravens, Saints, Seahawks, Vikings. Most disappointing NFL team this season. Yeah, we forgot about Seahawks, but they've been eliminated. It felt like uh, you know six weeks ago. I mean, there's some teams that are... Re- yeah, I mean, the Giants are never a punchline. Rarely a punchline. They're a joke. And, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I think your guys' reaction was, what? I think the Jets have a brighter future than the Giants do. And, and first of all, that's not hard to do, but the Jets, I at least feel like they have a little more promise. I, I'd like to see a little bit more from their quarterback before giving a, a, a definitive answer on his future and their head coach. But uh, watching the Giants yesterday, and I'm not sold on Joe Judge. Joe Judge watched too many movies of you know football coaches. He, in fact, he would be good in a, in a uh, role as a coach in a movie, but not in the NFL. Like, they ran a third down, like a victory formation in third down inside their 10. It was third down and nine. And I went, what are you? What are, what this will surprise them. What are, <laughs> come on, guys. What are we doing? What are we doing? And then the previous week, he went on an 11-minute rant talking about that you're not, you know, a joke. And yes, it's a total rebuild. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Bring in Lewis Riddick. He was on the call for the Cowboys win over the Eagles, and uh, he'll once again be alongside Steve Levy, Brian Greasy. First ever Monday night wildcard game, Cardinals-Rams kickoff a week from today at 8.15 Eastern on ESPN, ABC, and ESPN. Uh, do you want to start with the firings here? Nagy in Chicago. You got Mike Zimmer getting fired, Vic Fangio. Out of those three jobs, which one is the most attractive? Wow, man. You know, I think Chicago, obviously, because they have a young quarterback in place that everyone will say, okay, well, look, I mean, every coach, right, Dan, you know this, they go into situations going, well, I'm going to be the one who builds it from the ground up, and I'm going to be the savior. I'm going to be the next hot thing. I'm going to be the guy. Well, I mean, and most times they connect that with having a young quarterback who they feel as though they can take to the kind of levels that really are, you know, commensurate with being a championship caliber football team. And I think a lot of people look at Justin Fields like that. I think the the issue in Chicago will be how do they revamp the front office? Do they revamp the front office starting from like the level right below ownership on down and how, and do they stock it with football people, so to speak? Although I don't like necessarily using that term. Let me just put it this way, that people who really do understand what coaches need in order to be successful, what front offices need to be successful. Do they do that? If they can do, if they do that, I think everybody will be lining up at the door to try and get that job. Minnesota is stocked. I heard what you were just saying. This is a good football team. That's some really good players. That has a, they have a system in place there 
in terms of the style of players that they have that they've that they've acquired on the offense. It's a zone running team, real good running back, all world young wide receiver, a quarterback who can play winning caliber football. But you're right. There's going to be some people who go. But can Kirk really be that guy, that postseason guy that can make that can allow me to win games at the highest level, which is ultimately what coaches need to do. Defensively, they got banged up this year, but they still have people who can rush the passer. They got young, they got fast, aggressive linebackers. They need to revamp the secondary. That's probably right there. That's probably job number two. The third one, you know, being Denver right now, the issue there is they have no quarterback, zero. Winning caliber defense still need to continue to build out the offense, but no quarterback at all. But in a great city, a team that right now is undergoing, obviously, it's some changes from an, at the ownership level, which will scare off some people, too, because you just don't know how that's going to transition. But I think that's how I would stack them. Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, in terms of coaches who probably are looking for a situation where they can really build it from the ground up, Those are that's how I would probably prioritize it. And then you throw the Giants in there, and maybe they stay with Joe Judge. I mean, I'm not here to lobby for somebody to be fired, but if you're going to replace the GM, it it just feels like that coach uh, could be in a tenuous situation there. And and I wonder, you know, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Gettleman, your GM, Joe Judge, it feels like that might be one big broom that you use there with the Giants. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I've always thought, Dan, that's the way you should go. When you're doing those kind of things, when you, when you okay, when you're trying to reset an organization and you're trying to get your get your football operation back on track, it's really hard to discern, okay, well, whose fault was it that I need to now make a change? Was it the coach? Was it the GM? Was it the scouts? Was it the offensive coordinator? Was it the special team? Like, what, what's going on? It's hard, man. And see, right now, Everyone, excuse my language here, but everyone's in ass covering mode right now. So the GM is going to point to the coach. Coach is going to point to the GM. Coach <laughs> is going to point to offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator is going to point, point to the defensive coordinator. And you know what? That to me is how you erode culture. That's how you erode the concept of team. And honestly, when you're resetting a place, you should reset the whole thing and say this GM and this coach, you guys are together because when it comes to building out a football operation, Dan, look, you know that it's about it's about it's about scouting and evaluation. Then it's about acquiring that talent, valuing that talent and acquiring it. And then it's about development and utilization. And all three of those things, when you're building a football operation, the head coach and the GM have to be like this. So how can you separate it out then and go, well, yeah. it's the GM's fault, but the coach is not at fault or it's the coach's fault, but it's not the GM's fault. That's a loser's proposition to me. And I think they should go as painful as it would be for the Maris and the Tishes to do that again is probably what they need to do. We're talking to Lewis Riddick of the Mothership. He, of course, an analyst for Monday Night Football. Brian Flores just got fired as the Dolphins head coach. Oh, wow. Man, things are happening fast, man. While I'm sitting here talking, I'm a big fan of Brian Flores, and I'm a big fan of his. And I got to know him a little bit this year. We got to do – you know, their game just a couple weeks ago down in New Orleans. They wow, seem that, that... promising, but I, I, as I wow. mentioned about 15 minutes ago, Lewis, I was told that if Jim Harbaugh, you know, the Raiders would have interest, but the Dolphins would be the other team, not the Bears. Yeah. And that's what I wonder. Now, 
I don't have sure. any information other than a source said to me yesterday, everybody keeps talking about Jim maybe leaving to go to the Raiders. Keep an eye on the Dolphins. Well, I'm right. watching the Dolphins play, and they're beating the Patriots, and I thought, you know, they had a great second half here. Yep. Waddle was great. You got to decide on Tua. Yep. I don't there, know. See, this, this is where it doesn't become – it doesn't really become objective at this point. Now it just becomes about subjective and personal desires, wishes, feelings, wants of the owner. That's really what it comes down to. And, and owners, look, they own. Coaches, coach, players play. And when owners own, they can do whatever the heck they want. And if, you, if they have personal feelings and personal desires to work with certain individuals, they'll just, they don't have to, well, quite honestly, they don't have to justify it to anybody. But you don't you fire they, unless you know who you're going to hire, I, I think. right? Does that? You know what? Yeah, you would say that. You know, I think in the perfect world, yeah. But I don't think, quite honestly, I don't think a lot of owners really think that way anymore. Because, yeah, they may know who they're going to hire, or who they're going to try and go after. Yeah. But I don't always think that they really think this stuff out really rationally, man. I, I think a lot of this really happens emotionally. And I think, you know, as, as human beings, we know that sometimes it just becomes personal. It's just about, look, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go this direction. And if you write the checks and you own the team, you can do that. And we know that Stephen Ross has a connection, obviously, as being a Michigan alum with, with uh, Coach Harbaugh. I mean, that, that's easy. That's an easy connection to make. And he can throw at him whatever money he needs to throw at him and give him total control of the, everything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming right now, as we're sitting here talking, Chris Greer still employed the general manager. I think so, as of right now. Uh, Ryan Pace was fired as the GM with the Bears two minutes ago. See, there we go, man. Yeah. See, that, you know what, though? But that's what they needed to do. So now I, I, I do believe that that becomes job number one that people would want. Now, we don't know what's happening with Ted Phillips, who's also there in the front office. But I think that becomes job number one because of Justin Fields. And down there in Miami, look, you'll find people who like to us, some people who don't. Some people will want to know, well, what's going to be the plan as far as that's concerned? Are you guys really into Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? Do you, you like Tua? Do you like Tua? Well, I, yeah, I do. If I you do. were the GM of the Dolphins, you'd keep Tua? I would right now. Yeah, that would be my plan right now for sure. But if you could get Deshaun Watson. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't know, Dan. Look, there's a lot about that that's non-football related that for me, look, I just can't brush off and go, well, I'm just going to think about this from a football perspective and ignore, and ignore all that other stuff. You're going down like an avenue there that has so much unknown. And I'm, I'm just not one of those guys who really believes that you can just sell your soul just for, you know, to try and win football games and kind of just put on the back burner all those other things. I've never been like that. Yeah. Even in, my, in all my years in front office, man, I used to have some real heated arguments with people about the character of certain individuals as it relates to their football ability and whether or not they were good fits for what we were trying to do. So I'm we'll gonna, I, I want to book you for next season, the Monday after the final regular season game, 920 Eastern, and then I'll just tell you all the firings in real time. <laughs> there you go. This, is, this has been fun, man. I mean, you're breaking news left and right. Uh, I was going to have you on to talk to you about the Chargers strategy here, but uh, yeah, I, um, you know, uh, full disclosure here. I, I have a problem that the Raiders thought about taking a knee and, yeah. and, and a tie with a divisional opponent. Like I, yeah. I don't have any problem with Brandon Staley calling a timeout to change his personnel because I'm thinking you want to beat us. 
Not, right. hey, let's just uh, kumbaya, man, handshake right. Right. tie. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I agree. The more I think about it, the more when I heard his explanation as to what he was trying to do, I get it. He was trying to win the game. If you want to have a problem with Brandon, then you, you should probably rewind the tape and go back to some other situations, maybe like going forward on fourth down, backed up in your own territory, inside your own 20. I mean, maybe you want to get mad at him, get mad at him for that. Yeah. And plenty of people are. Yeah. And I but can have a problem with that. But don't you want a coach who believes in you? Now, sure. you might say he doesn't believe in his defense, therefore he's always going for it with his offense. But yeah. I, 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 it feels like Brandon Staley has rubbed the old school the wrong way. Like he's There's bringing no in analytics and, hey, we don't need that kind of stuff. We have too much of it in baseball. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Look, it, this has become something that has become highly emotional and it's become an us versus them type of thing, which is kind of ridiculous because really the, there there is a sweet spot in the middle where data is your friend and it can help you and you do need to be forward thinking. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. And it's not just an in-game decision-making. It's in terms of kind of structuring your whole football operation. Data is powerful. It's a very useful tool. Useful tool. But, man, people have really picked sides. He seems to be the poster boy, like for being the whipping boy as far as this is concerned right now. Yeah, I know. Who should who should make a change in the quarterbacking position, the Colts or the Browns? <laughs> uh, the Colts can't, although they should, but they can't. The Browns, you know what? I would ride with this fifth-year option with Baker right now. I would. Until I see what my next best alternative is. I don't think either – look, the Colts can't make a change, so they're stuck. But with the Browns, I would hold tight right now because you've got him next year for just under $19 bucks, or for this year, and now that we're in 2022. And then you just see how this goes in the offseason and whether or not you can upgrade the position. Great appearance, Lewis. Uh, hey, <laughs> I appreciate it. This, is, this has been good. I mean, it's fast and furious this morning, man. Fast and furious. Thank you, buddy. Uh, tell yeah. tell Leaves and Brian we said hello and uh, have fun okay. next uh, next Monday night. Cardinals Rams on ESPN ABC, ESPN Plus. Thank you, Lewis. You bet. Thank that, you. That's uh, Lewis Riddick, ESPN uh, Monday Night Football analyst, former NFL player. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carson Palmer joining us, his weekly pit stop here. Were you on a team that a coach got fired? I was trying to see if you were – did you have a coach no. fired while you were on – no? Never. No, not not during a season. Always uh, – it happened – well, it happened one time to Dennis Allen after the season when I was playing with the Raiders, but not during a season. Did all your former teams make the playoffs? They sure did. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. So Bengals, Cardinals, Raiders. They're all in. Yeah. And and they all could exit really quickly, unfortunately. <laughs> I was going to say, out of those three, who has the best chance to advance? Um, 
you know, I think I think the Raiders are going to go to Cincy. They're tired. They just played. They played a whole football game and another quarter. Um, they lost. They lost Filand in in the middle of their defense, who's been an absolute monster in the run game. They're fatigued. They're tired. They have all this. You know, it's a huge emotional swing to go from from that win right into getting ready to prep and get on a plane and fly to the the East Coast. So I just think that's a lot to deal with. That's an exhausted team playing against a really fresh team that has a ton of momentum. Has been playing really, really well. Arizona, you just I, I don't know. You know, they they um, they've looked really good. They've beaten the best in the game. They've lost to some teams. You just look at and go, how did they lose that game? And I think the turning point, I said this uh, last year, I think the turning point was last year when they went to New England and they were rocking and rolling and, and playing really good football. And Bill Belichick had a game plan that a lot of people have, have really just tried to imitate and, and replicate, and that is keeping Kyler Murray in the pocket. You don't go for sacks. You don't try to get him on the ground. You just keep him in the pocket. And he, Bill Belichick, gave Kyler Murray fits. And when teams have done that to the Cardinals, they've had a lot of success. Now, in saying that, I don't know if, if the Rams can, can have that type of mentality on defense. I mean, that is certainly not the way that Aaron Donald plays. That is certainly not the way that, that Von Miller plays. Those guys just wreak havoc and go after the quarterback. So I don't know if that'll be their game plan, but a lot of teams have had success against Arizona when they just force Kyler to stay inside the pocket and make reads and see over people inside the pocket. So, you know, I, I don't know uh, what Arizona team shows up. Um, I'm obviously hoping uh, the one that won the first appearance in uh, in L.A. shows up, but we'll see. The Chargers, Raiders, the strategy there at the very end, that um, it feels like people want to pile on Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, because he called a timeout. He was trying to change his defensive personnel. And there was the thought, and the Raiders admitted this after the game, that they were going to play for a tie, which would have meant both teams would have got into the postseason. I have a bigger problem with the Raiders contemplating taking a knee and and you would you would help a divisional opponent make the playoffs? Help me uh under well, where do you stand on on what happened in the uh the final minute there of overtime? No, you you played a win, especially I mean that's I, I've been a part of that rivalry. That is a fantastic, amazing rivalry for both fan bases. It's so much fun to be a part of. And when you have a chance to knock your rival out, you knock them out. Uh, I was more frustrated with the entire first half. I, I was wanting the Chargers to win by three, and they kept handing the ball off, and they were getting dominated up front. They did not have the offensive line to run the ball that much. They got a guy in Justin Herbert who I, I, I'd put my money on him eventually winning an NFL MVP. He's that good of a player. And they kept running the ball all the first half. Just when you got a player like Justin – and you got a defensive front like the Raiders who have been really good against the run, and you've got an offensive front that isn't great in the run game. You just have a, a back like Eckler who can make a play here and there. There's other ways to get the ball in Eckler's hands with screens and quick passes. And you know, I, I was I thought the most frustrating part from the, the coaching standpoint of the Chargers was just give the ball to Justin Herbert. Let him go. Let let him take over this game and get you the playoffs. They took forever, and then finally they got to the fourth quarter. And they put the game in Justin's hands, and it was out of reach, unfortunately. But he all, he actually almost won it, as we all saw. But you got it when you got one of the better players, one, if not one of the you know top two or three quarterbacks in the league, like he's been this entire season. Put the put it on his shoulders. Give him a chance to to get your team to playoffs. 
Yeah, I just I, I think that uh, the old school NFL guard has a problem with Brandon Staley with going on on fourth down, and and they converted six of those fourth down calls. What's your thoughts on on that philosophy? It it, it feels like it's the younger coaches using analytics here. It's an analytical thing, um, but it's also a momentum thing, and and it's you know where you stack up the the Chargers don't stack up in the run game with their offensive front very well against that, that Raiders defensive front. So if you're going to go for it, I'm, you know, you have all these third and one and two to threes and you get stuffed and putting yourself in fourth and three and four, because you're not making any hay on third down and running it. You know, it, it's a momentum thing. If you're not, if, if, if everything's rocking and rolling and, and they can't stop you, they don't have an answer. Then you go for it on fourth down inside your own 30 yard line, like they did there. But, they were getting pushed around up front and they kept trying to run it again, put the ball in Justin's hands. You have a future MVP, you know, one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. He's proven that he can make it happen. I mean, they converted six fourth downs, just put the ball in his hands and let him throw it or run it, but don't hand the ball off consistently like they did. Fritzy, would you give Carson Palmer the poll question? I can poll question is as follows. Who was the most disappointing NFL team this season? Browns, Colts, Ravens, Seahawks, Vikings, Saints. I think it's the Browns. I mean, just the hype machine that started with with Cleveland, you know, all summer long going into training camp and then as the season progressed, um, it's such a good team. And there's so many quality players in that team. They just couldn't find a way to bring it together, play together, stay healthy enough. And for them not to be in the playoffs um, with all the hype and all the excitement about Cleveland being back and fan base. And, and, you know, they finally were deserving this great team that, that was starting the season and, and it ended up being a dud. And unfortunately it, it's, it's happened far too many times in Cleveland. Well, I look at that, that was preseason hype, but the Colts had seven pro bowl players and they're not in the playoffs. To me, there wasn't a lot of preseason hype, but you had results during the regular season and uh, I, I just wonder, I mean, they're stuck with Carson Wentz. Yeah, unfortunately, he's he has not played very well at all. And it's a much easier division to win than the AFC North that, that Cleveland was playing in when you look at Indy. So um, obviously another big, um, big disappointment. They're stuck with Carson. He, uh, he unfortunately just consistently has not made plays when he's needed to. And when they needed him to make a big play, he made a poor decision or a poor throw and um, you know, it's, it's, you look at that defense, they can rush the passer. Leonard is a phenomenal linebacker, one of the top couple linebackers in the league. Great, great in the secondary, very well coached. Their running back led the league in yard. I mean, it just everything stacked up for them to have a great year. And they didn't, that's the thing too about it is they didn't need Carson Wentz to throw for 5,000 yards and 45 touchdowns. They needed him to just protect the ball, get them in the right play at the wrong time, at the right time, get the ball to their, their running back and let him do his thing. And, Really, he needed to throw for 4,000 yards and throw for 28 or 32 touchdowns, uh, but keep the interceptions in the single digit to maybe low tens, and that's not what happened this year in Indy. T.J. Watt's second quarter sack tied him with Michael Strahan for the single season sack record, 22 and a half. Why is it we have a problem with records in 17 games, but nobody had a problem when we went from 14 to 16 games and the records that were set? I don't know. I was listening to your segment earlier and I didn't even realize we went from 14 to 16 and don't know when we went from 14 <laughs> to 16, but I'm, I'm a 16 game guy. So I'm looking at, at 
whatever record I might have, I'm going to get another, you know, another game every year. That's another 300 yards, another three touchdowns. If, if that quarterback plays well. So, you know, I could care less about the 14 game guys. I'm worried about the 16 game guys. Now that we're at 17. Uh, did you ever help somebody with their incentives during a game? Like, like Brady helped Gronk yesterday. I'm sure some other quarterbacks helped their players, but did you ever, were you aware of incentives for some of your, your teammates? Oh, always, always. Uh, I, I don't remember what the incentive was, but TJ Hushmanzada in the last game of the year, I think it was for another 100-catch year. He had a 100-catch like three or four years in a row, and maybe this is the fifth year. It was the last game. And I I, uh, I checked a, like a little bubble screen on a run play, just to, and we lost like seven yards on the play too, and the coach was pissed. <laughs> but, uh, but he got his 100 catches for the fourth or fifth year in a row, whatever it was. But absolutely, I mean, that is that is part of the job as a quarterback. You know, it, those numbers are, mean a lot to everybody around you. And the quarterback's so focused on, on wins because that's what they're judged by. But when you have a chance to make a guy a million dollars, help, help a guy earn that million-dollar incentive or that couple hundred thousand dollar incentive, you always have to have that on your radar. Did you have incentives in your contract? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not sure that I did or if – I think I hit whatever – they were always minimal in my contracts, and I think I always hit them. Well, you were probably making too much money that they didn't give you incentives. Yeah, I mean, there's a threshold. If, if you're league minimum, you have a bunch of incentives. But if you're above league minimum, you have hardly any incentives for the most part. Did you care where you stacked up salary-wise when you played with other quarterbacks? No, not, not so much. Um, you know, I, I ended up being drafted really high before the rookie wage scale, so so – you know, at that time there was no there was no cap on the rookie salary, and then I continuously signed big deals throughout my career. And um, you know, it wasn't a focus of mine. Or um, you know, I, I know a lot of guys. There's a respect level. They want to feel respected and want to feel um, they're being honored with their salary in, in comparison to other players in the league. Um, some guys that's a big deal for. And then I know other guys that are always underpaid. It seems and don't really care. They're just happy at the opportunity to play and. Um, happy at the opportunity for the team to have more money to go out and pay the other guys around them. So, I, I, you know, I think it's a very uh, – it's it's to each his own kind of a deal. Some guys are very focused on it, though. What was that first paycheck like? Well, my first paycheck, I, 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 uh, I was on the cover of uh, college football, EA Sports College Football. No, I'm not talking had, about what had, you got paid at USC. I'm talking about your, your, first, your first paycheck with the Bengals. <laughs> I've never got a dollar at USC, Dan. You know that. You got millions I, I, of dollars. Uh, I know, not just a dollar. Okay, so first paycheck for the Bengals. Like, well, first I got like a twenty thousand dollar paycheck for being on the cover of that video game. Okay, and then everything after that. That was so much money at the time that when a million dollars came in, I was so focused on on twenty five or thirty grand, whatever it was. I bought myself a, my first laptop computer, which you couldn't tell me wasn't the coolest thing in the world at that time, <laughs> but. You know, after I you wow, know, you really lived paycheck, it up there, Carson. You, man, you know, was, some guys go to Vegas. Uh, you know, you you got a laptop. Wow, you're crazy. What a nerd. What a nerd. <laughs> did Dork. you did you buy mom and dad a laptop as well? No, but I should have. <laughs> did you ever go to the ATM and just check your how much money you were making? Uh. No, but I I followed along on on a um, on my 
on my you know internet enabled bank account that I was checking out on my laptop um, throughout my career, just to make sure the checks were coming in every week. What do you buy? What's the best gift you ever bought your lineman? I was always, I always really put a lot of time and energy and money into that. Cause I really wanted, uh, I wanted to say thank you in a way I, I did a bunch of great stuff. I bought guys hot tubs and had them installed at, at their houses one year. I bought them segways one year, right. When, when nobody knew really what a Segway was, um, watches, Louis Vuitton, travel luggage. I always went way above and beyond. Cause then I wanted guys too. Cause as soon as guys started playing well, we never re-signed them, especially when I was in Cincinnati, they went elsewhere. And so I wanted them <laughs> going to other teams and being like, man, you, you got us a laptop. He got us a hot tub. <laughs> so I wanted that spreading out through the league. And Dude, I wanted word out that I was buying good stuff for my offense linemen. So they'd come and block for me. Do linemen buy the quarterback anything? I actually, my uh, one year, the best gift I've ever gotten, uh, my linemen in Cincinnati went together. They, I, I loved to hunt. And they all knew I loved to hunt. And they bought me a white, uh, uh, a red stag hunt um, that was super cool. It was a guided hunt that I got to go on. Um, and I actually have that, that red stag mounted up in my house. And that was by far the best gift I've ever got. Great to talk to you again. Thank you, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Carson Palmer. He gives nice gifts.